Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. We are buzzing as always. Got to start off by apologizing for the light. We are recording, not super late, but late enough. Normally, we got some nice sunlight on me in Mexico. I'm recording at 7.20 p.m. tonight because we have the one and only Alex Svanovic on the show today. He is a whole friggin' day ahead of me in the one and only Singapore. We're going to get into all this. Super pumped to have him on. The CEO of Nansen. You guys know what Nansen is. Alex is the CEO and co-founder of Nansen and has a background in artificial intelligence with 10 plus years as a data scientist and management consultant before co-founding Nansen in 2019. He's also one of the initial DAO members of Lido Finance and Pleaser DAO and serves on the board of Wallet Connect. Super pumped to have you on, Alex. Welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Pumped to have you. And it's always super cool when you're a whole day ahead of someone, you know, recording. Absolutely <laughs> I'm living in the that. future. The you, future you, of finance. Living yeah. in the future. You were chowing down on some, just a, a beautiful macro breakfast before we got started here. I just <laughs> finished burritos for uh, burritos for dinner. You just finished a good old brekkie. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Before the show, you and I were shooting the shit a little and you had a couple pretty awesome stories. I got to get you to tell those. But before that, we got to touch on your incredible little tweet about Singapore. You have been in Singapore for the last six years. I've mm. never been. It's on my to-do list. Seems like one of the sweetest places on the planet. You touched over a couple good points. You can tell them better than I can. I think this would be a great place to start. Tell us why you love Singapore so much and how cool life is there. Yeah. Uh, so I've lived, I think, in seven different countries. So I feel like I have a relatively good sample to compare you know, Singapore with. I don't know where to start. I think to me, it's actually about values. You know, I, I really like Singapore because I feel like the culture here is very meritocratic, first of all. And that's how the whole society has been, you know, created uh, since Lee Kuan Yew kind of started transforming this place from a swamp to a uh, metropolitan <laughs> city state. Uh, and um, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but that's at least how people uh, explain it. So, it's, it's very meritocratic. It's very efficient, which I think most people know. But when you live it day to day, it makes a big difference. Like if you need to get from A to B, you can get a Gojek or a Grab in two, three minutes, which is the equivalent of Uber, let's say. And because it's so small uh, and because the traffic, you know, is typically not jammed and on stuff, you can get from A to B in like 10, max 15 minutes. Oh. And then if you... If you need to get anything done uh, in the public sector, like if you pick up your employment pass or anything like that, it's incredibly fast, right? This is something that was unusual for me as a European, having lived in, say, Spain or Italy, where you yeah. want to get like your ID <laughs> card and you have to show up at 4 a.m. in the morning, there's a long queue outside, then you finally make it and you learn that there's something wrong with your system, you have to come back like next week or whatever it is. So it's I think it's just very efficient. And then uh, it's interesting for people who are in crypto because it's kind of getting that critical mass of a crypto scene here, which is quite exciting. Like I think some, yeah. some people, uh, sorry, some places like Hong Kong where I used to live is also interesting. And I, and I love Hong Kong, but the crypto scene is a bit one-sided and it's mostly kind of the investors who are based there. Whereas... In Singapore, yeah. I think you have both investors, you have founders of small protocols, companies, 
Then you have people who work in the big crypto companies like Coinbase, Finance, and so on. You're based here. So you have a really kind of rich and diverse crypto scene that I really enjoy. Uh, I mean, I could probably spend the whole podcast talking about Singapore, frankly, but yeah, it's, it's, a great, <laughs> it's a great place to live. I really like it. Uh, the weather is generally quite nice if you like hot weather. And it's in a great location, so you can travel to other great destinations like Thailand, Bali, Vietnam, etc. Yeah. So cool. We, uh, let's jump right into Nansen here. When I first heard of Nansen, it, I mean, it was pretty close to when I got in the space um, not too long ago. I wasn't as early as you were, but you and your team's growth has been absolutely incredible. Kudos and, and massive shout out and well-deserved to you guys. Before we jump into the whole thing, did you ever think that like you guys would literally be the behemoth of anything analytics and data related in the whole space? Like, because again, you know, you had a you left a good job to to come start this in a risky industry. Did you ever have that that hunch like we're gonna build the shit out of this thing and turn it into a monster? Was that yeah. ever a thought? Yeah, that, thanks for the kind words. Uh, I, I mean, to be totally honest, when we started Nelson, we kind of thought of it as a potential cash flow business. Like, I think that's how we didn't think, let's go out with this oil the ocean vision to become like a trillion dollar company. It was more like, hey, we know that there are certain unsolved problems in crypto. And in particular, a lot of the data was kind of either non-existing, the analytics were were incorrect in, in many places. And there were just so many kind of basic analytical questions that you weren't able to answer back when we started, in particular with regards to what's happening on chain, right? That's what we are really good at. And so we thought if we just solve those problems, we're probably going to have paying customers who want um, to answer those questions. And, you know, they'll want to pay because investors at the end of the day want to make more money. So if we're helping them make more money, then presumably they will be okay paying a subscription fee for the product. And so it was very much coming from a relatively humble place. But yeah, we did start growing very fast. Like we launched the product April 2020. We had our first paying customers the literal first day that we put up the landing page. And then, you know, word spread and we just started growing very organically. Uh, And then at the time, I was the only one working full-time on this project and my other two co-founders were working part-time. And about six months later, we realized, like, this is turning into a real company. We need to hire people. Jump on. You know, you guys, <laughs> yeah. Need to, yeah, you guys need to commit to this full time. And so they did. And we raised a seed round so that we could hire people, you know, even though we were, we were making revenues, actually. But you still want to make sure that you have enough money in the bank uh, if things change so that you can pay your employees and so on. So we did a seed round. We started hiring our first people. And... Then the next year, 2021, was incredible. And we did a Series A with A16C. Yeah. We did a Series B with, with Excel and many other great investors uh, later in the year. Uh, and yeah, I mean, some VCs we spoke to in 2021 said that we were like literally one of the top five fastest growing SaaS companies they've ever seen uh, in terms of the revenue growth. So <laughs> yeah, so that, so that was pretty, that was incredible. But like, it was also you know, good timing with both DeFi and NFTs really taking off. And so, so it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was great, but it's, it's, it's a good feeling for sure. Like, and then you realize actually we can aim much higher here and then you have to kind of calibrate your, your vision and your aspirations upwards, which was 
which is a good thing, obviously. And then, yeah, we've never looked back since. I love that. Bit of a weird question here. You guys, you guys pull a shitload of data from, I mean, all the all the big boy, big gal chains. Um, you pull data from over 250 million wallet addresses, which is absolutely bonkers. This is strictly my selfish curiosity here. Mm. Which chain is the easiest to pull data from and which chain is the hardest to pull data from? Which mm. chain gives you sort of the sexiest and most enrichful and forward-looking, you know, trend-esque data? And are some you're just like, ah, oh, this is this is hogwash. This is nonsense. I'd love if you could sort of give us some give us some gold on you know yeah. the pros and cons of pulling data from certain chains. I mean, I think those those are actually two slightly separate things. I'll answer the first uh, version of your question, which is which one is the easiest, which one is the hardest. And it's a pretty straightforward answer. Like the easiest one for us is Ethereum because that's the one we've yeah. always um, that that's the one we started with, and we've kind of developed the expertise to do that. It doesn't have like an insane amount of data volume, so it's manageable. Right. You know, with the block times and stuff. The one that's hardest for sure is Solana. <laughs> so uh, it just has way <laughs> more data. It's not. EVM, right? So it's a totally different paradigm. But that's why I say like the questions you asked are a little bit different. So it doesn't mean that the contents are like hogwash or that the data is dirty or anything like that. It's just that it's very hard for us because it's so different and the volume of data is so much greater. Um, But we still do it because, you know, our customers want Solana data and yeah. Um, and so you still do that. But we, I, I would say we have gotten insanely good at reading data from EVM chains. And of course, like that is the kind of the dominant paradigm, if you will, of chains, right? BNB chain, EVM, Polygon, Avalanche, yeah. C-Chain, like all these different chains are all EVM uh, chains. And so we've kind of sort of industrialized the ingestion of EVM chains to the point where if we decide to uh, onboard a new EVM chain, we can do that in hours in theory. Uh, of course, there's more work later with maintenance. You have to do attribution or labeling of the wallets that are active on the chain. That takes time. But like the actual getting all the data into, into our databases is pretty straightforward at this point. But it took many years to develop the technology to do it so in such a streamlined manner. And present day, we have, you know, uh, not crypto related, but semi crypto related. Everyone's still on the AI train. It's left the station. There's no chance mm. it's ever coming back. You are one of the few people who can actually chime in and whose two cents and, you know, hands in the cookie jar we can actually listen to. You have an MSc in artificial intelligence from the University of Edinburgh. So, mm. you know, I, I've asked a lot of people, what is AI going to do to crypto? You actually studied this shit. You know what's going <laughs> on. Especially, yeah. especially as the CEO of Nansen, you guys are the bread and butter of data. How have you, in particular, you and your team, used AI to, you know, help pull data from all the different chains to help enrich your data sets, so on and so forth? Yeah. So we use AI in two primary ways. That's our AI strategy at Nansen. The first one is that we use it to uh, supercharge our product, right? So it allows us to build certain innovative features uh, and also deepen our data modes uh, in a manner that was not possible just a few years ago, right? So uh, we kind of think of AI as ubiquitous throughout Nansen. It's not like here's the one AI feature. It's more like it powers our search. 
it powers the NFT price estimates that are machine learning uh, created. If you yeah. want to get an estimate of your pudgy penguin, then we have a machine learning model that that gives you an estimate, almost like a Zillow Zestimate, um, and it's all machine learning powered. And so, so, and then in terms of you know the attribution, the labeling, and so on, that's an area where we will be using AI much more going forward. But yeah, so the first area is just making the product uh, better. The second area, which I don't think is is unique to you know us as a company by any means, and certainly not unique to the blockchain industry either, um, is using AI to increase our organizational productivity and our individual productivity. So this is kind of the, I guess this is where, you know, if you read the newspapers, this is where many people talk about the implications of AI, like AI is going to take our jobs and all that stuff. I think in, in my experience, what ends up happening is that you just increase productivity quite dramatically. So if you are working with anything content related, right, it could be, it could actually be video, it could be audio, but it often is text, of course, if you're writing content marketing, if you're writing Twitter threads, if you're writing research. We're basically using AI for all of those different things to shorten down the process and just save time and yeah. effectively increase productivity in the sense that you're getting more output with less input, right? And the input is typically hours. So the way I think about this in a very broad sense is that, you know, whenever you're doing work, there's kind of, there's sort of three primary things you do. The first one is that you, there's a prompt, right? You have something like a drive. Hey, I need to do this thing, like writing down the name of the task or whatever. Then there's a long process, which historically has been always from the most time, which is the production, like the completion of that thing, the task. And then at the end, there's an element of quality assurance, like whatever I made, it's like, it makes sense. Maybe you do that with someone else, you quality assure someone else's work. With AI, the interesting thing is you end up spending like most of your time only on the first and the last bit, which in a way are the two, that's where like you spend the least amount of hours. And the thing in the middle, the production, that now takes like 10 seconds because the, or it can, it can be like half an hour if you want to iterate, right? Because typically you quality assure, you go back and you, and then you uh, try again and you kind of give feedback to the AI if you're working with ChatGPT, for example. And so at Nansen, one of our goals this quarter is to just collectively spend 5,000 hours working with AI. And, and the reason we set that goal was I realized that a lot of people don't actually have the gut reflex of trying AI first for a test because you're not used to that, right? Like you're used to just doing stuff yourself, but we have to train people to, to say like, hey, I'm writing a, I'm trying to make a list of strategic accounts that our sales team wants to go after, for example. That's like, can you use AI to do that? And it turns out absolutely you can, like me and our, our, uh, uh, senior manager of Radley Ops, uh, yesterday we're spending like two, three hours literally with ChatGPT building out a list of 500 target account lists to go after. And it saved us an insane amount of time just doing that, right? Of course. And so the surprising thing is that you can use AI, and I would say in particular ChatGPT, for so many things. And even now I've been using it extremely actively the last six months. Even now I'm realizing every day that like, wow, 
it's actually pretty good at this thing here. Like if I, if I prompt it in the right way and if I give it, you know, constructive and clear feedback, if it does deliver on my expectations. Anyway, so I think if we get the team to spend 5,000 hours, that works out to about four hours a week per person. Uh, that's 10% of their time, right? Uh, then you will have built up a bit of a gut reflex to think like in my area, this is an area where AI is great and super helpful. It increases my output by like 10x or 100x in some cases. And then once you get to the next quarter, because we plan quarters through objectives and key results and so on, OKRs. And when we get to the next quarter, we can start looking at, let, let's look at the outputs and the outcomes we're creating with AI. But for now, I just want the, to focus on the input. It's like, put as many hours as you can into the process of working with AI. And then the bet is that good things will come from that. So, yeah. So basically, like, those are the two areas, right? To innovate on the product, make a radically better product. And specifically for us, that's about kind of creating great interfaces to the data analytics um, powered by AI, as well as deepening our data mode. And then there's the organizational productivity piece where there are many principles. Like you, one principle is try AI first. Another principle is make AI a team member. Like you should literally think of the AI as a team members. Like, hey, did you invite? Yeah. Did you invite this AI to yeah. the meeting? Did you share the documents with the AI? Right? Did you give the AI enough context to be helpful to solve this problem? You kind of have to shift your your mental model towards this not being software, but it's like another team member which is kind of weird and a bit science fiction, but I, I think we are actually there where it makes sense to work with AI in this way. So, yeah, it doesn't answer your question on specifically AI for crypto, no, but that's, that. at least, that's at least how we think about it. I absolutely love that. You sort of fired me up there a little, I'm not going to lie too. I feel like you're the kind of CEO where someone's like, hey, Alex, I need X amount of dollars for this AI subscription. You're just like, you chuck the Amex at them. <laughs> whack at I was specifically, <laughs> no. specifically for AI, for sure. I mean, like, the reality is it's more expensive yeah, yeah. to not have a ChatGPT subscription than it is to have one. It's like way more expensive yeah, I, not to have it because it you're, you're ending up spending a bunch of time with stuff that the AI could be helping you with and do it much faster. Do, do you know how many people and clients I talk to who still don't use it every single day, who don't have a GPT-4 subscription where I'm just like, I can yeah. barely remember a year ago when this was not, you know, like I, I almost forget about life before it. And yeah, so you wild. use it yourself it's, it's actively. Every, I mean, it's it's bookmarked. I mean, I don't use the bookmark anymore because it's just it's such a habit of just you yeah. know Chat. Google Chrome C H so, yeah. A boom, it just pops. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like exactly, it's yeah. just wild That's how good. it works. That's Shoot. a good sign. Yeah, shout out Sam, shout out Sam Altman, OpenAI, and the team. You guys are incredible. Um, yes. Nansen Query. This was mm. quite the launch. Um, I mean, just enterprise ready blockchain data. Doing it all currently supporting Arbitrum, Avalanche, Base, Bitcoin, Dash, Doge, Ethereum, Solana, Terra, you name it. You guys are doing doing it all. Um, I would love to read this and, and give everyone the lowdown, but you can do a much better elevator pitch than I can. So I'm going to throw the ball over to your end of the court. Mm. What exactly is Nansen Query and uh, why is it so powerful? And, and I'd love if you could explain how much help it is giving to big, large enterprises. Yeah, so the best story here is basically, you know, we built the best on-chain analytics product for investors, right? And we, in doing that, we realized that, hey, we basically have built the most powerful data platform that powers this product 
why don't we give access to that underlying data platform directly? It's a bit like the kind of Amazon and AWS play, right? Amazon builds a retail store, yeah. they have all the infrastructure, and then like, why don't we just sell access to the infrastructure? And so that was the thought process behind Council Query. And we had many customers asking us, do you offer programmatic access to your data and so on? And so that's really what Nonsense Query, uh, you know, solves. And we also realized that you, you know, crypto is cool because you can get access to lots of data through APIs, often for free or very cheap. But the problem is that a lot of that stuff is not necessarily enterprise grade and it's not something you would want to kind of build your business on top of, whether that's like products yeah. or trading um, algorithms and, and things like that. And so we had a real focus on making sure that this was enterprise grade. And um, we had the highest quality data, that we have unique data sets that you cannot get anywhere else, that we had uh, extremely broad coverage of chains, uh, and then also higher order things like DEXs, NFT marketplaces, and so on. And then overall, the platform itself was very performant with you know the best uptime and the the fastest load time and things like that. So, so that's how we ended up building on Query. And I think where we've had the most success is serving you know the the kind of top tier crypto teams in the space, like an OpenSea or Arbitrum or Consensus, yeah. you know, Binance, Coinbase, like the, the kind of really great teams that realize that maybe having like a data platform and having all these data pipelines in-house is not a great idea because it just distracts us from our core mission, right? Like Coinbase is not a data company. You know, it wants to increase the amount of economic freedom in the world and Primarily, of course, they do that through offering a great exchange. And so instead of them spending a ton of time internally building out stuff, it's actually much more economical to just buy this from us, right? So that's the yeah. kind of basic premise of why we built Nostra Query and, and you know, uh, where we've had the most success. Uh, I also feel like it is a space where, you know, it's, it's great to have a few different alternatives for for customers, right? You you do want to have kind of either free or cheap options for like hobbyists and so on. That's not quite where we play with this offering. Like we figured, let's just focus on the kind of production grade and sort of enterprise tier customer segment. That's kind of where we want to play. And that's where we think we will succeed the most. And then we will let other companies focus more on kind of the, the more downstream and broader pool of customers. So... So that's where it is today. I think there's still, and we, ha- we support like 25 different chains. Um, you mentioned some of them earlier. Like I said, we have unique data sets that are powered by, for example, our wallet label data, which m- makes it possible for people to create really unique insights that you can't get anywhere else. And uh, increasingly, we are going to be focusing more on like the API endpoints surrounding this. So uh, yeah. What we've learned is that, you know, we do have a user interface where you can just go in and write SQL queries, announce query. You can create dashboards, charts, share them with your team, all this stuff. But we realized that many people actually just want to get the data where they are, 
right? So that that's why we added support, like we have support for Google BigQuery, which is a data warehouse technology, such that if you are already on that same technology, you can literally get all of our data sets in your data warehouse immediately. And so we're exploring how we could do that with other data warehousing technologies like Snowflake and so on. And of course, creating better API endpoints. But yeah, that, that's basically what the Query is. I think for those who are listening, they might be more investor types. So this is more like if you're actually you know, yes. building, building a company, building a product, then this is a great product to explore. Yeah, that's uh, this is this is Nansen queries for the big dogs, you know, and and Nansen too, which we'll get into, is for the uh, the investors, and we'll get into Correct. that in mm-hmm. one second. But until then, we've got to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, of the show Prime XBT, longtime friends of CryptoNews.com and longtime sponsors of the Crypto News Podcast. We love Prime XBT as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet; you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XBT is also running an exclusive promo for listeners of the Crypto News podcast. Use the promo code CryptoNews50 to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Again, that is CryptoNews50, all in word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Back to the show with Alex here. We got to get into Nansen 2. Last year, you guys launched Nansen 2. AI functionalities, which to my knowledge was sort of the big sexy part of the launch. I mean, who doesn't love that? Um, Just reconstructed from its foundations, smart segments, more signals, you name it. Walk me through Nansen 2 and and, and how you guys launched that because that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, so I think, again, just to kind of go back to the the backstory of why we built Nansen 2, it was actually started because we uh, we realized that the tech stack we had were giving us a little bit of headaches, both in terms of being able to ship new features, as well as the performance that I was talking about earlier was kind of giving us some issues. We felt like it wasn't loading fast enough and, and things like that. And so what we decided to do was to rebuild the whole product from the ground up. Of course, we could still make use of lots of the great work on the data platform side of things, but... Even there, we had some improvements we wanted to make. So the, the, the kind of impetus for why we wanted to create Nelson 2 was mostly around our own ability to just ship new features fast and also make sure our customers had a really snappy experience when they used the product. It felt a little bit clunky and slow. That was some of the feedback we've been getting from users over the years. But then we, when we decided to do that, we also thought, hey, this is a great chance for us to really level up the user experience more broadly. And also to shift some of these innovative features that we had been dreaming of building for a long time, but we had been struggling with because of the old tech stack. And so now from the user's perspective, when you start using Nelson 2, I think especially if you're familiar with Nelson 1, what you will notice right away is, first of all, it's just way faster. And it's like 100 times faster in some cases. If you click on, you know, either you're doing... You're using our profiler, which allows us allows you to look up a wallet or even a cluster of wallets or an entity like a Binance or a Three Arrows or Alameda or what have you. You can do that; it loads <laughs> super quickly, uh, and and it gives you that kind of uh, overview that that people expect uh, from Nelson that you you get kind of the sleuthing capabilities that you want, uh, and it loads super fast, right? So that's the first part. The second part is 
the user experience, as I said before, is just a lot more streamlined. So in Monster 1, you kind of needed to know which dashboard to go to if you wanted to do something. And that was kind of inhibiting for a lot of people. It's like, do I use NFT God mode, NFT paradise? Like, what's the dashboard I need to be using to just answer this question? And we've kind of abstracted all of that away to the point where if you go into Monster 2 today, you just smash command K, which brings up the search bar, and you just input whatever it is you need. You paste in a wallet address, you write pudgy penguins or an NFT collection, you write the symbol of a token, you write the name of an entity like a Binance or Coinbase, whatever, and we just take you to the right screen, right? So it, it feels like kind of a trivial thing, but it is actually a huge improvement in the user experience. You don't have to think too much about how to get from A to B. Maybe it, there's an analogy there going back to the Singapore story on like, we just want to make things very efficient. You don't want this bureaucracy yeah. and a maze of stuff. You just want to go straight to the point. And that's what we help users do. Yeah, less friction. Correct. And then the last thing is the innovative features that I mentioned. And the probably the two most uh, loved features that we have shipped with us too uh, are signals, uh, which um, is it's kind of like a feed. So if you don't have a very clear idea of what you're looking for, you can just go into signals and you get a feed almost like a Twitter feed and it just surfaces anomalous events from the blockchain. So like, here's a token that had a hundred times the amount of centralized exchange inflow that it normally has. Maybe you should look at that. Maybe there's something going on there. It's right? So it, gold nuggets. Gold nuggets. Correct. correct. <laughs> it's, like it I, it's like, I don't know what I should be looking at today. Let me just check out the feed and maybe I'll just find something interesting. And then you can drill down from there, right? So the mission of our company is to surface the signal and create winners in the future finance. And so this is literally what that feature does. It just surfaces the signal for you because there's so much stuff happening on chain, especially with, you know, 20 plus different chains that, that you support. So, so that's, and that's AI powered as well. It's like the stuff that the AI thinks you should look at because it is anomalous somehow is what's going to show up in that sheet. So that's the signal. The second feature is, is smart segments, which, um, you know, like I said, like you mentioned before, we have hundreds of millions of wallet labels and on, right? That's one of the things that we are known for. But we also realized that we don't want to be the bottleneck for people to create their own wallet labels and groups of wallets. And so we created this feature called smart segments where you can decide your own criteria on wallets. You can say, hey, I want to look at every wallet that made at least, you know, 10 ETH in profits trading board apes. And you just put that in as your criteria. And now you get a little segment of the, let's call it, yeah. you know, 80 wallets that did that. I support a little more, a few hundred wallets that did that. And that segment, you can now profile them collectively in, in the sense that like, what other things are they doing? Which tokens do they own? NFTs, which transactions have they made? in real time as, as a segment collectively. And you can pull that segment into, you know, the other parts of Nonsense. Like you can filter using the segment if you're looking at a specific token or NFT. And so, yeah, this is another, I think, super pow powerful feature that we have shipped in a basic form, but it's going to get a lot more powerful in the next uh, weeks. And of course, yeah, a lot of these things, like I said in the beginning, 
are AI powered, right? Everything from the search to signals to, of course, a lot of the stuff that happens on the back end with regards to the attribution and labeling of addresses. Even, I think, the ingestion of data will, over time, be, become more AI-supported because you may not want to have data engineers spend a ton of time writing kind of transformer code and parsing code. Of course. It probably makes sense to have AI support with that as well. That's the uh, summary of what not to do it. But it's early days still, and I think if you've tried it, you kind of will see a material improvement from Nelson 1, but you should also know that this is early and we have a ton of really exciting features coming out this year for it. Alex, you've been on a roll. I wish you had more time here, man. This is uh, this has been too much fun. <laughs> Couple more questions and we will wrap up. Success story. I don't know if you can tell me or not. I know the listeners would absolutely love this, but someone along the way must have used Nansen to find a specific signal and made an absolute shit ton of money. And we, on behalf of all the listeners and everyone at Crypto News, we would love if you could give us just a little tiny insy story of maybe someone, you don't need to drop names, but just like the Bored Ape example you said, where someone found something, bet a shit ton on it, and made an even bigger shit ton. I'd love if you could give us a little nugget of gold here. Yeah, there are a few different ones. Probably the most famous one is uh, MEV Collector, which is a Twitter account. And he wrote a thread about how he made an insane amount of money flipping NFTs using Nonsense. I can't remember the exact numbers. I think it might have been something like 10 E to 800 and something E flipping <laughs> NFTs using Nelson. And the, the cool, and, and by the way, like to, just to be very clear, that's, you know, to his credit, like he is, he is the, the hero. We are just kind of the, like he is Batman. We are the Batmobile, right? Like he is the guy actually <laughs> doing it. We're just a tool. Yeah. But the cool thing was he was not doing that on just one bet, right? He was doing it, you know, consistently and just grew yeah. the portfolio. So that's, Incredible. And I've met, met them in person, uh, which, which is cool. There's also another story of uh, one of our customers who I think put 500 bucks on a token that they discovered in Nelson and turned it into one and a half million dollars. This is also a tweet that, that's out there and we have it in some of our marketing material because it is uh, pretty amazing. And then there are, of course, many other examples. There's another one where there was a fund that had a lot of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars in Anchor when, uh, when the terror thing was happening. And they had set up nonsense smart alerts so that they got notifications when liquidity was being drained from the curve pools. And because of those notifications, they also exited the curve pools and basically saved probably like maybe hundreds of millions, at least tens of millions of dollars. Uh, were safe because they were able to get out fast enough. And they have told me that the smart alerts basically saved them. They owe you a dinner. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's not only kind of the moonshot shit coins that go a thousand X. It can also be used for like defensive purposes to make sure that you don't lose all your money. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah there, and there are a ton of other stories, but those are three that come to mind for now. So cool. Alex, absolute treat. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Uh, I can't wait to have you on for round two. This was too much fun and we barely scratched the surface. You also had some electric stories that you told me before the pod. And folks, we will save those for round two because 
Alex. I mean, you would be up there for one of the people to have probably not one, but uh, maybe one dozen pints with uh, and, and shoot the shit over some crypto stories. But we'll have to wait until next time. Until then, wishing you and the team all the best. Before you let us go, please let us all know where everyone can find you personally and Nansen online and on socials. Yeah, so the best is to go to nansen.ai to try out our product. You can also find me on Twitter, a Swanavi. Just look for a very cute pudgy penguin. Uh, you can also yeah. find Nansen's Twitter account at Nansen underscore AI. So thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Hey, pudgies have been ripping. I know, I know you've been calling that for a while, but what's uh, no free ads on the podcast, but we're going to give them one. Why have they been ripping so much? What's the deal with pudgies here? You know, it's, uh, I used to say it's three C's, but it's actually now four C's. Cute community content. For example, they have like 10 billion views on Giphy and they have more than 1 million followers on Instagram. Uh, but the fourth C is also the CEO, Luca. Right, Luca is a fucking amazing uh, operator and one of the truly great ones in in crypto. And he's like 26 years old or something. Uh, really an incredible operator. Uh, I'm actually hopping on a call with him now in four minutes. So it's the four C's. That's why Pudgy is doing so well. I think the four C's. I love it. Alex, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it, uh, and can't wait for next time. Thank you so much, Matt. Folks, what an episode with Alex. Svenovic, the one and only from Nansen, CEO and co-founder. Huge shout out to him and the team for making this happen. If you guys enjoyed this one, and I hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to my team and I, to the team. Love you guys. Thank you for everything. You staff, my amazing sound editor. You are the man. And back to the listeners. Love you guys. Keep on growing those bags and keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy. Bye for now, and we'll talk soon.